Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we have a great topic. Today's topic is using resilience to get out of your own way with my friend, Ann Holm. Welcome, Ann. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Ann is one of my favorite guests. I mean, she's a friend. She's my executive coach, but people always like her podcast. That's why she keeps coming back on here. So I should say Ann and I have worked together for 10 years. First, I think as she was my executive coach, but then we've also worked together with clients over time. And Anne brings a perspective that is very different than if I was doing sales training or coaching on this business. And brings a totally different perspective and a very useful perspective. And we'll get into that in just a minute. And you've been on the podcast a few times. I know we've gone over your background a lot. So just give us like five bullet points on your background. Sure. Happy to do that. So my background is I started out as a brain scientist or brain injury specialist. I did that for 25 years. Then I went into executive coaching and then began to specialize in coaching for individuals in the logistics sphere. So I'd like to bring the people development side to the world of logistics. Yep. And Anne, you should have also said you are a master practitioner at Myers-Briggs. I am. Everybody dabbles in it, but Anne really knows her stuff. Yes, sir. And I will tell you that if you really want to know your type, it takes more than just doing an online test. Exactly. Exactly. I've done that test probably in junior high or middle school, Mm. in high school, when I was getting my undergrad, when I was getting my master's. I always knew my type, but I really never did anything with it. I never improved upon, you know, my Mm -hmm. strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. until I started working with Ann. And Ann is joining us from Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Minneapolis area, where they are having a thunder snowstorm, which uh, is a uniquely Minnesota thing, I guess. Yeah, thunder snow, (laughs) where it's thundering and snowing at the same time. And Maybe you guys didn't get the memo. It is October. (laughs) Yes, 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 that too. I'm trying to look at the beautiful sugar maple leaves sitting upon the white background that is the snow and appreciating the artistic value of this unique experience. Our beloved Wolverines are playing in Minneapolis this coming weekend, and I was teasing some friends in Minnesota. I was like, 28 degrees and snowing, that is not (laughs) the first game of the year. That's not what we should be playing. No, no. And I heard college game days coming too, so they get to see see all of that too. Honest to God, we can't win this year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, and let's talk a little bit. You've been on my podcast multiple times, and you're Mm -hmm. always talking about how we can be more productive, more efficient, more happier. So, Talk about what you've been up to lately. I know this has been a crazy time with COVID. So talk about that, especially the impact on all of us logistics and supply chain folks before we get into the topic today. Sure. So it's an interesting thing. It's been a very, very special, very interesting time to be a coach during COVID and coaching the logistics industry because there are the people that they call essential workers, the doctors, the nurses, teachers, for instance, and the kids coming back to school and all of that. And I would throw logistics in that same tier of intensity, that they are as 
essential as any of these professions, and they're experiencing the same amount of stress as some of these other frontline professions. Right. The essential workers can't do their job unless the essential workers in logistics and transportation do theirs. Yeah, it's very true. And so you're seeing that because they really are frontline workers, and you're also seeing the impact of how quickly things are changing. I mentioned to you a couple of days ago about the Wall Street Journal talking about how shipping the vaccine is going to require some very specialized trucks, uh, some very specialized security. This is a big deal. And (laughs) every day when I read the Wall Street Journal logistics section, they're talking about all of these things that are going on in the sector. Oh, yeah. Also, we all of a sudden also wanted to avoid contact during COVID. I think, you know, we're getting, we're seven months in now, but I've had Andrew Kelly on my podcast over at BoxLock, and they do unattended deliveries, which means you have a box where somebody can open up the Amazon, you know, the Amazon guy can, or UPS guy can open the box, put it in there and it locks. Wow. And they're doing that with pharmaceuticals and medicines and because everybody's trying to avoid that contact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I I think the upshot of all this is that this is one of the industries that is so deeply impacted by what's going on with the pandemic and is therefore, it's already a stressful, quickly changing industry just as is, but now it's amplified. And so as a coach, it's been interesting to see how people have reacted and the kind of coaching I've had to do to get people to operate at peak performance and at the same time not not lose their minds because they're so stressed. Right. And you were on, last time you came on my podcast, you talked about grit. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think I asked you to speak about grit because it was right in the beginning of this COVID thing. And I remember thinking I got lost in this Navy SEAL thing and I was reading all those books and I thought, yeah, I need to have more grit. We all need to have more grit to get through this thing. And you kept referencing resilience in Mm -hmm. in addition to grit. So talk about the difference between grit and resilience. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the grit piece is this idea of muscling through something. So we talked about ways that you can keep your energy and inspiration levels up to muscle through things like a Navy SEAL guy. Resilience is a little bit different. That's more of, I would say, the finesse piece. So it's the path of ease and flow. It's almost like imagining that you are a ship on the sea and their waves are going all over the place and the winds and everything else like that. And it's something that you can't muscle through. You actually have to make strategic decisions that allow you to navigate those seas. And so that's what resilience is. It's those the ways that you can stay laser focused and make decisions that help you and not hurt you. Right. So you might maybe muscle through a situation or two, but you can't muscle through mm-hmm. eight months. <laughs> no, no. And, and muscling through is one thing that is very, very useful, but it's a hammer and not everything is a nail. So now we're talking about something else, another tool in the toolbox, which is this idea of resilience, laser focus, mental fitness, been doing a lot of work with mental fitness. So again, today's topic, using resilience to get out of your own way. So Anne, talk a little bit about how how we get in our way first. Okay. So we have these strategies that have served us well in certain situations. And in fact, they even become our signature strategies. The problem is that 
again, it's this idea that your strategy isn't going to work well in all situations. And the answer isn't to do more of it. It's actually taking a step back, realizing what you're doing in the moment and deciding to look at other possibilities and other strategies in order to make the right decisions. Right. So we get in our own way by doing more of the same. And and I think it's also in stressful times we're being asked to do yep. more or maybe do less and figure mm-hmm. it out, right? Where there was a time where we're all sitting at home trying to figure out <laughs> how am I supposed to live now? I don't go to the gym. I don't go to the restaurants. Yep. I don't see my friends and family. Right. And from what you've told me, that's when our strengths, our traditional strengths, our normal strengths become can become blind spots or weaknesses. Yeah. And the term that we use is saboteurs, because when you think of something being sabotaged, it's getting in the way. So when you're talking about your saboteurs, you're talking about the ways that you are getting in your own way. You're sabotaging the outcome that you hope to get by way of getting in your own way. And so when we talk about saboteurs, there's actually nine varieties of them. And in in a previous podcast, we talked about all nine of them. But what I want to talk about today is just a few of them and set that in what I'm seeing in logistics, what I'm seeing in the dynamics of people working together in logistics because everybody is under so much stress. Yeah, and so this comes in, I'm looking at our show note, our prepping. This comes from positive intelligence framework. So there's actual research that goes around these nine saboteur types. Yes, yes. There's a considerable amount of research around it. There is a New York Times bestseller book called Positive Intelligence, very much well worth your read. And I have spent the last six months really studying the value of positive intelligence and how you can get out of your own way. I've been working actually with the author for the last six months, trying to deeply understand this. And all the while, I've been using this with logistics customers because it's who I serve. Right, right. So Positive Intelligence, the name of the book you said? Positive intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so talk about some of these saboteur types. And I know you wanted to go a little deeper into three of them. Yes. And these are the things that are kind of the opposite of the, the other side of our strength. So if I'm good at something, mm-hmm. when I do it too much, all of a sudden it becomes a weakness or if I just over rely on that, right? That's right. Over rely is exactly, that's a perfect way of putting it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you hit the <laughs> nail on the head. So the key to this, the key to all of this is self-awareness. And I want to give you a particular statistic about self-awareness because it requires a higher level of self-awareness to know that you're relying on something and it's no longer working. So here's the statistic on self-awareness. According to the Harvard Business Review in 2018, 95% of the people who responded to their survey describe themselves as self-aware. But the truth was only 10 to 15% actually were. And I know I'm not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a... Now, you might say to yourself, well, how do you measure that? How do you know? And there actually are ways to measure it. And briefly, one of those things is you list what you think you know about yourself, and then you ask the people who know you... (laughs) 
<laughs> to to respond, are they actually that way? And there's often some discrepancies. And it might be something like you think it's coming off a certain way, but actually the people who work with you are seeing something completely different. The very same behavior that you think is working and is so great is actually being perceived and having a different impact on the people that you're actually working with. And so the idea of the saboteur is to understand, get to that level of self-awareness where you are over-relying on something and it's actually not having the impact that you think it is. Yep. That'll edge you towards that 10 to 15% of the self-aware. Yeah, and again, I've been working with Ann for many years and feel like I'm much more self-aware, but in a way, the more self-aware I become, the more I realize it's a long road. <laughs> Well, it is. It is. And self-awareness is really a little bit like a martial art anyway. It's the idea that you start off on the pathway of becoming more aware of yourself, more aware of your impact on other people, etc. But there's really, there's not an end point. There's a sort of a general end point where how you see yourself is how others see you and there's a good alignment and you understand the impact of it. But at the end of the day, it, it really is this unfolding thing with many benefits, by the way. It's not just a navel-gazing exercise. Right. So let's talk about some of these saboteur types. So what's the first one? Yeah. Would you like to talk about just a few of them and sort of set it in a setting of logistics? Sure. Okay. Because I think it's going to be really useful for people to hear the three or so of them together in the same room and what it might look like in a logistics office. So the three I thought that we could talk about are the stickler, the avoider, and the pleaser. And you've agreed to help me sort of describe what it looked like when you worked in a 3PL office and, and what this could really look like. So let me first describe what these three characters look like. Now, I want to be really clear that this is what a person is, but it's the character that comes out when you're over-relying on a particular strategy. And when we're stressed, yeah. When you're stressed, and there's a lot of stress going on, and that's why it's so critical to really understand this. So the stickler is an individual who always feels like they have to clear up everybody else's messes and mistakes. It's always somebody else's stupid mistake and stupid error that led to some sort of poor outcome. There's a huge emphasis on detail, protocol, and pointing out where people are falling short. So that is what a stickler is. Right. Now, the upside is, is that you're a detailed person. The upside is, is that you follow protocols and pay attention to those types of things. The downside is when every single situation calls for this sort of lens. Right. And then I can just say this, uh, yep. having worked always in operations, first in engineering and manufacturing, and now in logistics and supply chain stuff, you have a lot of people who are sticklers and, and it is very valued. I can say that for sure. Yep. But I know yep. when we're talking offline about this, we're talking about people who have that become a stickler, yep. especially if they're the boss. And a lot of times they are the boss because yep. they're valued in the workplace is they kind of grab onto the one thing and they just seem like they can never let go of it. And I remember working with somebody like that. And as a result, no one would say anything about what, what went wrong. Everyone in the office realized like, hey, if you mentioned the boss, this went wrong. He's going to grab onto it and he's just going to be hung up on it all day. He can't see 99% of the shipments that went well 
always be like, why, why, why didn't, why didn't that happen? Why, why didn't you call? Why didn't you do the, do it right? And it was like, after a while, like, screw it. Don't bother. <laughs> yeah. You can have a nervous yeah. breakdown about it. Don't bother. And again, very valued person in most right. situations. It's just when it got to that, like anything went wrong, there was almost never an excuse, never a reason that it could possibly be wrong. And that's not the reality in this business. Things go wrong. Yes. And the interesting thing with it, too, is when you're in a stickler kind of a mode, there's a lot of negative emotion that goes around with that. So there's a lot of blaming and anger and irritability. And so the types of emotions that just people are trying to get away from it. They're not saying, well, gosh, she's got a legitimate question here. Let's see if we can get the answer. People are scattering because they don't don't want to deal with the negative blaming, negative energy. And that's what it looks like when it's, when it's a stickler. Yes. Especially if you've got the personality type, like I do. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the next, the next person that we're going to bring into the room is somebody you alluded to already, which is the avoider. And the avoider is somebody who avoids anything that's unpleasant, anything that is going to create a disruption in their flow of peace. They love peace a lot. They avoid conflict. And so what they can do sometimes is hang on the fringes of everything and avoid having those conversations that are going to maybe resolve an issue. And there's always this sense that the avoider is holding something back. They're not telling you something. And the avoider's thinking, it's going to work itself out. Or God, if we tell this guy, he's going to blow up. Let's just hope it passes. And so there's a sense that this person is holding back important information. Right. And you mentioned, by the way, I'm an avoider. I'm holding up my hand here. I'm an avoider. And when I worked with the stickler type, and I have many times, you said something that I thought was interesting when we were prepping. You said sticklers always know <laughs> when they're talking. They will yes. always figure out when what you're hiding from them. And I thought it's interesting yep. that you should say that because they just kind of grab on and want to hang on. And when you say being an avoider, I think of being an avoider as I want peace and harmony. So I always want to, I'm, yeah. when I'm the boss. I'm a good boss to have. But here's the problem. Yeah. If you've got the stickler versus the avoider in the boss role, you can come to me. You can t- explain why it didn't happen correctly. And I'll say, well, let's get this fixed. What, what went wrong? The stickler, you're like, oh, I can't do it. I can't deal with that today. But on the other side of it, my desire for peace and harmony and to get along with everybody can also limit me in that you know, when something has to be confronted, like somebody has to be fired or somebody has to be reprimanded or we got to confront this head on. I don't, yep. you know, th- where the sticker might go, I'm going to wade right into that. I might hesitate. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't always, I mean, I deal with yep. problems. I mean, there's no doubt I deal, but I probably don't hit it as hard or as quick as the stickler who is hung up on, why didn't you follow the rules? Yep. <laughs> yes, that is exactly, exactly right. So yeah, you're right. Perfect description that you are going to lean toward maybe waiting too long and you're going to maybe lean toward the soft pedal and the stickler is going to be ready to jump on it 
And the stickler is going to be the one who's going to hammer on it quite a bit harder. So if you imagine these two characters in an office, in a logistics office, and you've got the stickler just ready to come after you like your worst nightmare teacher who's looking for your homework and, and the avoider thinking, oh my gosh, if I just wait another hour, this will all right. work itself out and that person will never know. You see that communication can really be affected. You can see that peak performance as a team can really be affected. Yeah. And I think also when I'm avoiding something sometimes, sometimes it's to think it out a little bit. And I'm always looking yep. for that kind of that win-win. Like, And if I have to tell you yep. something that you don't want to hear, I'm not going to just be blunt about it and go, and blank, blank, blank. I might go, I'm going to wait. Yep. Anne's my friend. We mm-hmm. work together. I'm going to figure out a nice way to tell her this, right? Yep. So again, I don't think a stickler worries as much about that. But you know, when you think uh-huh. um, while you were talking to me and I've thought about some great coaches. So think of like Nick Saban or Bill Belichick, the first yeah. football season, of course, or even Scotty Bowman, who used to coach the wings. Nobody likes Scotty Bowman on the Red Wings, <laughs> and, right, but right. they won cups. And I know I've heard yep. Bill Belichick is notoriously hard to work with, but they win. Yep. And I'm guessing if I was to, if you were to look at Nick Saban, you're not going to tell me he's an avoider. <laughs> no, no. And th- you raise a good point is in certain situations, these qualities really do pay off. The problem is, is if Scotty Bowman comes home after his day of work and he starts saying, that thing doesn't belong there, that you, you didn't get around to that, you need to do that. Uh, and and he now he takes this back to his home life and he's <laughs> pointing right. out everything that's wrong and everything is equally a problem. You see people kind of put their hands up and like, I'm not going to I'm not going to try to please you anymore because you can't be pleased you can't be satisfied because you see everything that's wrong and so it has its place in excellence when it matters but the sneaky thing and this is where the self-awareness piece comes in is knowing when you're actually contributing to peak performance and when you're actually creating this right. negative drag on the situation. It's the over-reliance and that happens when we're stressed, right? That's correct. So the other person we were going to throw into this little uh, dynamic was the pleaser. And this is this individual who doesn't ever want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's a little bit different than the avoider. The avoider is kind of looking for peace and having not having their flow disrupted and hoping that things are just going to kind of work themselves out. The pleaser is somebody who doesn't want to be disliked, doesn't want people to be unhappy. That's me. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about that from a logistics perspective. What might that look like in an office? Well, again, I could see where not wanting to sit, tell bad news, right? Not wanting to, you know, again, where the stickler or some other personality types might be more likely to kind of lay it bare. I'm going to worry about Anne screwed up today, but uh, let's not... Let's not let's not beat her too badly for this one. And again, right. there's some value to that on one side of it being, you know, to the, the pleaser yep. side, the other side is I, I get along real well with people. I have good relationships. The right, pleaser right, right. becomes when yep. Anne's been abusing this th- this company and this situation and she really should be reprimanded and or fired. And instead, I don't want to be the bad guy. <laughs> 
Yeah, those are perfect. You're fired, Anne. Perfect description. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to be the bad guy. That is the pleaser. The pleaser should almost have that tattooed on their arm. They never want to be the bad guy. They always want to be liked and they always want to be seen as as likable. So, uh, yeah, so that, that it can be exactly that. So there You know, and this is a, this is my own recognition of the, this over time. I do like to get along with people. I like harmony. I'm I'm very yep. much I expect to have good relationships. And if somebody is different than that, and if they, they're really harsh and not worrying about relationships a little, I call them sharp, sharp elbow kind of guys, I, I find myself yeah, yeah. kind of almost repelling from that. But also what I feel yep. like is I overreact at a certain point. I want peace. I want harmony. I want everyone to get along. But then if somebody's kind of not playing nice, at some point I don't just go, hey, don't do that anymore. Boy, I just go off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yep, like yep. it's almost like pent up. Like I've been trying to be nice, but you're not nice. So now I have to scream mm-hmm. my head off like a maniac. Well, when you're in the saboteur mode and you are in the pleaser mode, it drains your energy, and at some point you will run out of energy. So, and then, and you actually even mentioned a situation a couple of days ago working with a client where you exploded, and it. You were really mad at yourself oh, yeah. for exploding, and and it's hung right. with you, and it's because you didn't set that early boundary because of pleaser, and then you come on down the line, and then you explode, and then you're still not – you still have a problem because now you feel bad about being the person that exploded. So it's a no-win right. scenario. Right, and, and you know, and I said also – Normally, I wouldn't have been in that stress mode. I was under stress for a few. Yep. I was working long, long days, and some things weren't going quite right. And this person pushed a little bit, yep. and then a little bit more, and then finally, it was like I got really angry. And normally, yep. I would have pushed back a more gentle way. <laughs> it still accomplished the same thing, right? But I, and t- t- to be right. honest, I don't care what their feelings were. I care that it stuck in my mind. It made me like eh, kind of ruin my day. Yeah, you've kind of messed with it, even your your self-identity, that you're a nice guy and nice guys don't blow up. But look, you just blew up, right? The other thing about a pleaser too, and you, you see this, you could see this really being a, a difficult dynamic, either if you're an individual business owner in logistics or you're working with a sales team where you need to have productivity. One of the things that a pleaser can do is hang on to prospects that are really not going to turn into customers. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> they don't want to, they don't want to break off that, that, that relationship because they don't want to be the guy who cut somebody off. And yet that can cause a real problem in a sales office if you can't sort what is a real potential customer and what is just somebody that you're hanging on to because you're afraid to right. be a, you know, because you have to be a nice guy. And there's also, you know, and you've made me aware of this over time is there's some people who are not easy to get along with. Maybe they're toxic. Maybe they got their own issues as a pleaser, yep. as yep. a, as an avoider. I've, I've gone out of my way to get along with those kind of people and less so now because, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not being mean to them or anything, but recognizing that's, that's, becomes almost like 
a puzzle piece where I need to, I need to feel that. And it's not about them. It's about me wanting to feel like a good guy. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it's, it's a silly thing, but having a coach like Anne, I've become more aware of these things. And to some extent, when you are aware, you can, you know, have some strategies around it, but sometimes it's also like, yep. God, dang, I got a lot of mess going on in my head. Some days when you start thinking about this. <laughs> Right, right. So, so here's the thing. So if we go back to our original sort of conversation around what's grit and what's resilience, grit would be about continuing to do the same thing you're doing only harder with more effort and with more endurance. All right. Sometimes that will do the trick. Sometimes you that's have to a, that's go, a sledgehammer. <laughs> yes. Well, it's you know, and it's important. It's important to have grit. I mean, grit is going to separate the wheat from the chaff sometimes because you it's that it's that effort piece. With the resilience piece, you're talking more about adaptability, about riding with what's happening now and choosing the best strategy. And there's this thing in the system that, that I use, this positive intelligence that I've been working with. It's, it's called sage powers. So the stickler, for instance, we can go, go over and talk about the stickler. And so he's now pounding on a detail and he's chasing somebody down for a detail and he thinks somebody is, is holding something back. If he took a step back and said, used a little empathy, for instance, and said, you know, every time somebody comes and tells me about something being wrong, I explode. If he starts to understand that, maybe he softens his position a little bit, or maybe he recognizes that what he's actually doing is having an impact on what everybody else is doing. So he starts to channel in these things called sage powers or these other strategies in order to get something done without pushing people away. Right. So this is this is grabbing a little different strategy than what would your natural bent would be and 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 kind of teaching yep, yep. yourself as you go. Yes, exactly. And it's so, it's so again, if you think about you're in the you're in the ocean, the ocean is waves and wind and everything else like that. You're not just taking the 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 tiller and saying this is the way I'm going to go and you're holding it and gritting your way through it. You're starting to observe what's actually really going on. And starting to make those adjustments. And that's what resilience is, is the, those adjustments that you make, this, the finessing and the laser focus that comes from that awareness. So we, we got to get awareness and then get some strategies around those. So what would be some strategies for, say, an avoider or a pleaser like me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So You're um, one of those, aren't you, Ann? Which, which one are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm restless avoider. So, I, you know what? Actually, I think the a, a great way to describe how this can work is to just actually tell you a short story about what happened in my own personal life. My husband is a stickler, so he's he, he's a surgeon. But I keep saying he's a surgeon. I want him to be a stickler. <laughs> he, yes, and being a stickler in the in the operating room is absolutely appropriate. Having that level of specificity is. Absolutely appropriate. So, but then when you come home <laughs> and you notice that there's a, a hole in the yard off to the side, and you need to know and want to know how did it get there? And I then respond, I don't know. 
No, there's a hole in the yard. How did it get there? You start pushing that. You start pushing. Why would you try and cover that up, Anne? Well, you know, that, of course. But it looked like I was trying to cover it up by by way of saying, I don't know. I I didn't even see the hole. I don't know. Instead of saying something like, which hole? Should we go out and have a look at it? Or I can give you, I, I, I don't know how it got there, but you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. So maybe if I find out on Tuesday how that hole got there. And actually, that's exactly what I said after I tried to avoid him like five times over it. I finally said, well, I could find out on Tuesday. I'll call a landscaper. End of story. We never even talked about it after that. But the point being that every time he wanted to know and the more he dialed in on it and the more I avoided it, the more that dynamic persisted. That's the take-home message. Yeah, and it's funny that maybe it's just different personalities where he wants to know, I would say, I don't know, and I don't even care. <laughs> I can't even make myself care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the but the point is, is that you don't want to persist in a dynamic. No, no, I understand. It, that's counterproductive at that yeah, point. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Because when, the, when everybody is in their sort of stressed saboteur mode, they actually, you know, when those two people are in the room, you get these dynamics, these personal relationship dynamics, these work dynamics that happen again and again and again because you're talking from your saboteur perspective. Right. And and I think the, 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 the tough part of all this, Anne, is I'm always going to be a guy who wants to get along, who's uh, naturally people-oriented. Mm-hmm. I, I like people. Yep. I want people to like me. And that generally works. It's when I get stressed and it's not the right strategy and I'm still using it. And now I've got somebody mm-hmm. who really needs to be put in their place or somebody I need to disconnect com- from completely. And I don't. Because I I have yep. the self perceptions. I'm a good guy. I want to get along, and it, it, what I should do is say enough of that, you know, or or even the other side yep. of it, you know, when when I'm dealing with an, a a stickler, is recognize that that's their way of communicating, their way of working, and I kind of can adjust. Right, right, exactly, exactly. You know, the the thing is, is that we do many, many, many things automatic, and we're going to be talking about that in a different, in another podcast. This idea of the how many things we do that are automatic, and what this is is starting to notice what is automatic and when it's not working, and how we can shift our perspective to something that will work. Well, and let's, let's wrap this bad boy up. So tell us, tell us, uh, first off, summarize what you've talked to us about and then talk, you've got a program I know you're going to talk about. So first summarize this and then let's talk about your programs. Sure. So, so um, in summary, you had, you had asked me what I've been doing and I've been spending a lot of time working on this idea of resilience and mental fitness, especially with people in logistics, because these guys are really stressed right now. And so I, I started thinking it would really be useful to start talking to people about these things that they do that get in their own way. These, these strategies you rely on that get you there part of the way, but then they start to actually sabotage you. So I was thinking about that, thinking about how I'm seeing it so much in logistics right now and sharing what can be done about it. Because the other thing is too, is once these patterns are established, sometimes you take away the stress and the pattern is still there. Right. 
Right. And then we only just talked about three of these yep. saboteur types. How many are there? There's actually nine. So you can actually go to, so the first step, if you want to start looking into this topic, the first step is to go to the thing called positiveintelligence.com and take the saboteur assessment. It's free, doesn't cost you anything. And you can see which of these characters tend to show up for you when you're over-relying on strategies and how you're getting in your own way. So you go to positiveintelligence.com and take the saboteur assessment. Excellent. Excellent. Free, so free, free, step. free information. <laughs> so what do they do with that information? So they can just look at that information and say, okay, that's interesting. They can also book a free consultation with me and bring their results and we can talk about it and I can answer any questions about it and help them understand what this looks like. One of the things that's really funny about this, Joe, is that a lot of times when people do the saboteur assessment, they often see the saboteurs in everybody else but themselves. Right. You told me that. Yeah. You, you told me also. <laughs> yep. You tend yep. to want to also justify, like, like I've said when we were prepping, yeah, I do it that way. That's because it's the right way to live. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so the, the, the purpose of a consultation with me is to help understand at that deeper level what this really means. You know, it's not the, oh my God, I got to have my wife take this. I know she must right. be a stickler, you know, <laughs> and we're going to show her once and for all that she's a stickler. So people will often do that. They'll take the assessment and then right off the bat, they, they, start thinking about all the other people in their lives right. that need to take it because they're so full of saboteurs. Right. So, And when they hear people hear us talking about stickler and then pleaser and avoider, I'm a pleaser and avoider. They're like, oh yeah, Joe sucks. Yeah, yeah. Look at all his problems. Recognize that when you take that test, you're going to have your own saboteur You're going to have your own saboteur type. So you're going to find out exactly what yours actually look like. And then if you book the consultation with me, it's annholm.net, A-N-N-H-O-L-M.net. And you can click a link and book you a, a free consultation. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. Okay. So you get a free consultation. I'll help you walk. I've, I've been studying this for six months. So I, I'm, I'm very aware of all the nuances of, of all of this, but I'll go through the report with you and help you start to understand what this actually looks like. And then the third step is if you decide, well, gosh, you know, I want to know more about this and I want to know what to do about it because there's a ton of things you can do about it. We can talk about the program that I offer, which is a six week sort of boot camp that builds the kind of resilience and mental fitness that people need in order to recognize their saboteurs and then tap into those other strategies, what we call the sage powers, to reach peak performance and improved relationships and even reduce stress in your life. Well, and, and, and you know, we, we hear a lot about emotional intelligence for the last, I don't know, five years. Mm. and But so often now you're seeing st stats that say, People who have more emotional intelligence are more successful. And all of us more or less think, oh, yeah, well, I have that. Yep. And what Dan told us earlier is you probably are not that 15%. We're probably not that 10 or 15%. Yep. So I, I, I will also say this, and you mentioned your program. This is my own experiences. I've always did the Myers-Briggs stuff, and this is all kind of closely related to that. And I knew that my type, and I would read it over, and I would kind of memorize things and say I was going to do this, that, or the other thing. But I never really got too far with it and so I started working with a coach. Yep. Because when I started working with Anne, she has an objective view of me, 
where I can never be completely objective. Wait, that other and, piece that, you know, that, that other perspective of yeah. this is what you're actually doing. And, and then, and then having strategies to actually get better, mm-hmm. that was super important. And I, I, I've, I've had Anne as a coach for, I think it's eight or nine, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she has saved me a lot of problems and it made me so much more aware. Uh, it's a long road, but I feel like at least I started. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I want to add one other thing. One of the things that I've really liked about positive intelligence, and it comes comes back to my 25 years in brain science, whenever you want to make changes, you actually have to rewire the brain. You have to add new connections. And so that takes time. So what I really like about this particular program is it's a, like a six-week boot camp where you're doing something every day. You're both understanding the concept of the saboteur, so you're, you're building your self-awareness, but then you're also setting it up so that you can build new connections in your brain to do different things. So it has a, it's a, it's an engaging program. It's, 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 you have a way to track progress. There's the structure and the motivation to get you to do the work every day. It's really a wonderful, you know, wonderful program. I give it the brain scientist seal of approval. I could use it rewiring my brain right about now. (laughs) Couldn't we all? So yeah. So, so step one, you know, Go take the assessment. See what you'll learn about yourself. Step two, set up a free consultation. See, you know, let's let's de- dig a little bit deeper into it. I'm happy to help you understand that. And I'm doing step three. I'm 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 doing the program. Yep, yep. You're de- that's right. We're setting you up. You're gonna we're gonna get you started. So. And I'll report back in six weeks. Yes, yes, exactly. So yeah, so it's an important topic. I will be so much better then. Well, you will. You will. Just just watch all the things you stop avoiding. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) If you can get rid of that, it's worth a small fortune. Yeah, yeah. So, Anne, thank you so much. This is, it's always great to have you on my podcast. You're always a fan favorite. So, thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Yep. Always fun. Yep. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com.